an unshakable kingdom. Everything is about our king and his kingdom. The kingdom of God was central to the Lord's message and ministry when he was on earth. I love the exchange between Jesus and Pilate found in John 18, verse 36 to 37. Jesus said to him, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I believe that if we embrace Jesus as our king and if we treasure the kingdom of God in our hearts, if we treasure it like a pearl of great price, then we, like Jesus, will be able to walk in this world with a peace and a power that comes from heaven. In Hebrews 12, verse 28 to 29, we read, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Do you believe this? Do you believe that if you have placed your faith in Jesus, that you are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, an unshakable kingdom? What does this mean? And how does this impact our lives? Well, I have three points to share with you today. Uh, the first point is a reminder. The second point is an invitation. And the third point is a prayer. So let me start off with the first point, namely a reminder. A reminder that we have a king with a heavenly kingdom. In Mark 1, verse 14 to 15, we read the following. After John the Baptist was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. If you were alive in Jesus' day and had the privilege of listening to him preach, you would have heard this message over and over again. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. I wish that I had got to know and understand more about the kingdom of God when I was younger. I was in my late 20s when I first encountered a deep teaching on the kingdom. And I can remember thinking, how is it possible that I'm only discovering this now? I learned about how the kingdom of God referred to the dominion of the king. King the domain of the king, the rule and reign of Jesus, his authority and lordship. I learned how Jesus came to offer the benefits of his heavenly kingdom to all who surrender to his rule. And not just when we die, but here on earth. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I learned about the old, clashes, the old Testament clashes between God's kingdom 
and uh, the enemy's kingdom that we read about every time the Israelites battled against a nation that served a foreign god. The best example was when God delivered them out of Egypt. And there was a clash in the spiritual realm between the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of darkness. The forces that were oppressing the Israelites, the demonic forces in Egypt that were oppressing the Israelites, their hold was strong, but God broke through and set his people free. I also learned about how Christ's miraculous birth and his kingdom teaching, his miracles, and his triumph over death reveal his true identity as the king of kings. But it wasn't just head knowledge as I learned these things. I experienced kingdom ministry personally, and I loved it when the Holy Spirit would move in our midst and touch people's lives. I remember praying for a lady who fell down onto the ground under the power of God, and she lay there for half an hour, 45 minutes. And uh, eventually, when she sort of came, okay, and uh, I was talking to her, I said, what did, what did God do? And she, she told me what the Lord had done in her life while she lay on the carpet. And I realized then that that would have taken six months of counseling. God's kingdom had broken through into her life. So I began to read the word with kingdom eyes. And it was all there. Jesus as king, calling people out of darkness into his glorious light. And his kingdom rule resulted in forgiveness, in deliverance, and in healing to all those that he ministered to. Large crowds of people would come and his kingdom broke forth, and the enemy's kingdom was defeated, and people could see, and people could walk, and people's sins were forgiven. Turn with me to Matthew 11, verse 2 to 6. It's a lovely passage of Scripture where Jesus uh, shows us his focus on his kingdom. Matthew 11, verse 2 to 6. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, so this is John the Baptist, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. This, friends, is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what happens when Christ establishes his heavenly kingdom here on earth. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. When we repent of our sins and believe in Jesus, he welcomes us into his unshakable kingdom. That is the message that Jesus preached. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news. Let me read you a testimony of a lady named Mary Peckham. 
It is found in a book titled Sounds from Heaven, which is an account of the revival on the Isle of Lewis, which took place between 1949 and 1952. She tells how she was raised in the Word of God, but despite this, she was rebellious and lost in her sin. She writes the following. I had left the restrictions of my island home to see and experience the big, wide world. There were many churches in Glasgow, but I had not attended one. My grandmother had placed a Bible in my case when I left home, but it lay unopened. I enjoyed the free and easy life in Glasgow. There were places of entertainment on every corner. I read avidly, but all the wrong books, the gangster stories and the love stories, and I imbibed in all their cheap vulgarity. I was learning the worldly ways of my newfound friends. I never descended into gross immorality, for the teachings of the Bible in school restrained me, but I was far from God. It's quite wonderful how her upbringing in the Word had protected her at a time like this, and it's a reminder for us as parents to continue to take time to read the Word with our children and to spend time in the Word and in prayer together as a family. She then tells how her parents asked her to return to the Isle of Lewis to care for them. When she did, they encouraged her to attend the church services that were led by the great revival preacher, Duncan Campbell. Her testimony continues. I'm reading it because it gives a sense of what we can expect when the kingdom of God, the dominion of Jesus, is moving in a community. As we approached the church, there seemed to be an aura around the whole area. Conversation died down, and people eased themselves into their seats in silence. The church was packed with young and old. When the people sang, oh, the shivers chased themselves up and down my spine. I'd never heard singing like this. They sang, they sang the psalms from their hearts. The words rose to heaven in a power that could only be sensed but not described. The singing was fire. It went right through you. All eyes were on the pulpit, and people listened intently to every word that was uttered. There was a tremendous sense of what I later knew to be the presence of God. This is a beautiful aspect about the kingdom in our lives, is when we are very aware of the presence of the Lord, not just at church, not just when we're having quiet times, but throughout our days, just experiencing the presence of God. Like the Israelites who had the cloud uh, by day and the pillar of fire by night. The presence of, the God, of God was with them wherever they went. One thing I knew, that this preacher was sincere. He preached on an eternity without God, on the doom of the sinner, on the wrath of God, on the power of the cross, on the glory of the redeemed, on the wonders of heaven. Oh, the gospel rang forth. I knew that I needed a salvation, that I needed to be saved, that I was not on my way to heaven. 
Everywhere I went, the strange awareness of eternal things followed me. There seemed to be a canopy of God consciousness over the whole area, and I could not escape it. Not only did I sense the presence of God in church, but everywhere I went, I was conscious of Him. Yet her struggle continued. Uh, she tells of how she felt a deep sense of being lost, and she despaired at it. She despaired at her sin. There was a battle raging inside of her between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But Christ's kingdom was victorious. Listen as she tells of her conversion, of her salvation. One night I sat in the prayer meeting, which I always attended, having resigned myself to my miserable condition. Then the minister closed in prayer, and in that prayer he quoted a verse of Scripture which I knew very well, and as he quoted it, I was transported to that place called Calvary. The Scripture he quoted was Isaiah 53, verse 5 to 6. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It suddenly fell on my ears as the sweetest sound I had ever heard. God applied it to my heart. As I gazed at the crucified Jesus, I heard the words, With his stripes you are healed. I, I felt the healing balm of Calvary go through my whole being. Nobody needed to tell me. The Spirit of God through the Word of God witnessed to my spirit that miracle of miracles. I was a child of God. Oh, the thrill of it. What I had despaired of ever receiving was now mine as God applied the Scriptures to my heart. Yes, I was His, and His love and glory flooded my being. I love Mary Peckham's testimony because it reminds me what happens when we invite Jesus as King into our hearts and when we experience his unshakable kingdom through his Holy Spirit. So how do we receive this unshakable kingdom? Let me touch on two scriptures. The first is found in Matthew 5 verse 3, and it's part of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached, and it's right at the beginning of the sermon, and he starts by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew Henry explains this verse in his commentary. This poverty of spirit is a gracious disposition of soul by which we are emptied of self so that we may be filled with Jesus Christ. This poverty of spirit is a gracious disposition of soul by which we are emptied of self so that we may be filled with Jesus Christ. You know, this happens when we realize that we can't save ourselves. When we realize that all our best efforts and good works are like filthy rags. When that takes place, we come to God with a dependence, with a need, with an acknowledgement, Lord, I am, I am a sinner. And today I repent and I ask you to save my soul. In Mary Peckham's testimony, we see how she was poor in spirit, 
how she came to the end of herself, and how she cried out to Jesus. That scripture, by his stripes we are healed, was so real to her because she realized that she couldn't save or heal herself. It was through the stripes and the sacrificial death of Jesus, her Lord. The second verse is found in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus and they're talking about salvation and Jesus puts the following statement before Nicodemus that leaves Nicodemus in a place of confusion. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Nicodemus says, Lord, how can we enter back into our mother's wombs and be born a second time? And Jesus responds with these words. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirits. You see, each one of us has a natural birth. When we are born into this world, and uh, Jesus is saying, each one of us also needs to have a spiritual rebirth where we invite Jesus into our hearts, where we are washed by his blood, and where his spirit comes into our lives, giving us a spiritual rebirth. So firstly, we need to be poor in spirit. We need to know and declare our dependence on him. For that reason, we come before him and we repent of our sins. And then secondly, we invite him into our lives and he fills us with his spirit and we are born again. So I have shared the first point, which is about a king, Jesus, and his unshakable kingdom. My second point is an invitation. An invitation from Jesus to see the world through kingdom eyes and to devote our lives to seeing his kingdom advance. It's an invitation from Jesus to see the world through kingdom eyes and to devote our lives to seeing his kingdom advance. And this process is an ongoing process. This is a daily process. You know, it is so easy to look at the world around us with natural eyes and to become overwhelmed and fearful. Can you remember the story of Elisha and his servant and the chariots of fire found in 2 Kings chapter 6? So the king of Aram planned to capture Elisha and he sent his horses and chariots and a strong force to surround Dothan where Elisha was staying. In 2 Kings 6 verse 15 to 18 we read, When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. We are living in the midst of a pandemic. How many of you at some point have felt like Elisha's servant, overwhelmed and surrounded by this COVID-19 plague? 
Two weeks ago, I was feeling like this. Met with uh, a few of our shepherds, and as we shared, we realized how taxing this pandemic has been for so many. But as we continued to share on a Zoom meeting, it was amazing how the conversation shifted from the trials to some testimonies. And we realized that God has been at work, even in the midst of all that we have been facing. We need to ask Jesus to open our eyes so that we can see things through his kingdom lenses. And we can know with a real assurance in us about the armies of heaven which are greater. And we can see how his kingdom is advancing even uh, in this world that we live in right now. Do you know that Jesus even needed to remind John the Baptist to look at his situation through kingdom eyes and not through his own understanding? I read earlier how John the Baptist had sent his disciples to Jesus to ask if he was the Messiah. It was quite a strange question if you think about it because John knew that Jesus was the Son of God. Firstly, Jesus was his cousin, so he knew about the miraculous conception. And also when Jesus was baptized, um, when the Holy Spirit came upon uh, Jesus, uh, John knew that here, standing before him, was the Son of God. But it seems that his imprisonment had caused him to doubt. You know, the prophets had written how the Messiah would come to set the captives free, and he, John, was not free. He was a captive in Herod's dungeon. And uh, Jesus sends John's disciples back, and he says, Go tell John what you have seen and what you have heard. How the blind can see, the lame can walk, the deaf hear, the lepers are cleansed, the dead are raised, and how the good news is being preached to the poor, not the poor financially, but to those who are poor in spirit, who were lost in their sin. I believe that when John heard this message, that his heart became peaceful, and that his eyes were open again to see things through kingdom vision. We, too, need to be very careful of falling into the age-old trap of doubting Jesus when we face trials and difficulties of many kinds. We need to remain steadfast in our faith, believing that Christ's kingdom is advancing no matter what is going on in the world, remembering that he is good, that he is faithful, and that he is for us. Now, I want to take this message around our invitation to see things through kingdom eyes and to be involved in the advancing of Christ's kingdom to a slightly deeper level. And uh, so maybe just take a deep breath wherever you are. When Jesus was on earth, the Roman Empire was ruling over a large part of the world, including Israel. The Roman Empire was a secular kingdom filled with idolatry, cruelty and greed. They worshipped other gods and they oppressed God's people. The Jews longed for their Messiah, the chosen one, who would deliver them from Rome's power. 
They believed that he would come as a mighty warrior king, perhaps like King David, and shatter the teeth of this Roman Goliath. They wanted to fight. They wanted to rejoice in a worldly victory. They wanted to see their enemies flee. Even though the prophets of old had prophesied about a humble king, they had missed this because of their clouded understanding due to their oppression. Jesus didn't come to gain an earthly victory over the Roman Empire. His battle was a spiritual one against Satan and his demonic hosts. And he did this by ministering with a quiet authority and then humbly laying his life down for the sins of the world. Do you know that our greatest impact for the kingdom of God is when we demonstrate these same Christ-like qualities, a quiet authority and a humble, sacrificial life. Once again, let's look at the scriptures and learn from Jesus. In Matthew 14, verse 13 to 21, we read, When Jesus heard about John's death, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed those who were ill. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he told the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. So what can we learn from this? Firstly, Jesus was human. He sought out a solitary place to grieve the passing of his cousin John. I believe that this is good counsel for anyone who has lost a loved one, to find a quiet place and to be still with the Father so that he can comfort your heart. But secondly, we can learn from Jesus how to live out our kingdom purpose even in the midst of trials and grief. You see, the crowds heard where he was and they followed him on foot from the various towns. By the time Jesus and his disciples reached the solitary place, it was no longer solitary. A large crowd had gathered. But Jesus is so wonderful. He sees the situations through kingdom's eyes. He doesn't show irritation. He doesn't chase them away. He doesn't get back in the boat and ask his disciples to head back to the center of the lake 
throw out the anchor so that he could take some time to rest and have some peace? No. He has compassion on the people and he heals their sick. And afterwards, he feeds the 5,000 by multiplying the loaves and fish. Jesus invites us to live a kingdom lifestyle like this. His kingdom is not only advanced with authority and power, but also through kindness and love. There are so many believers who are shining bright for the Lord at this time. I've heard testimonies of healthcare workers who are showing incredible care and compassion. A lady in our church told me about a nurse who phoned her on a video call from her own phone using her own data so that she could see and speak to her husband who was in ICU with COVID. Another member whose husband is recovering from COVID mentioned how a psychologist phoned her from the hospital to ask what she could do to soothe her husband at times. And she said, he loves worship music. And uh, the psychologist said, what kind? So they sent her 10 songs and uh, making a playlist so that she could play these songs uh, as he recovered and could be soothed in his soul. There's lots of kindness going around at the moment. I've heard of teachers comforting school kids, of people helping one another financially, and of life groups who are praying earnestly for those who are ill and in need. My wife Pam has a ladies' life group. This past Tuesday night, at the time that they would have met, they arranged to pray and intercede on their own, and then to share what the Lord was saying on their WhatsApp group. One of the ladies posted the following. Thank you, sisters in Christ. I locked myself in my bathroom, very private, only me and Abba. At the St. Afrikaans Hospital across the road, a Christian group was singing and praising at full blasts. I prayed as the Spirit led and could feel how the black clouds above the hospital lifted and drifted away. God is in control. He is the way maker. I also prayed for the country and the constitutional court and for sick family and friends, and for the unsaved, and for the children. Isn't this wonderful? The church of Jesus is alive. What a difference we can make when we see through kingdom eyes and give Jesus our five loaves and our two fish. Listen to Matthew 25, verse 37 to 40. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So I've touched on a reminder, a reminder that Jesus is king and that he rules over a heavenly kingdom. And I've touched on an invitation where Jesus invites us to see the world through kingdom eyes and to devote our lives to seeing his kingdom advance. My final point is very brief. It is about a kingdom prayer, a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray and a prayer that he loves to answer. It is found in Matthew chapter six. How we need to pray this prayer not as a ramble of words, but slowly and carefully and with kingdom authority. 
Wherever we go, we can pray aspects of this prayer over situations and people. I have found that people appreciate prayer. Sometimes when they are facing a difficult or scary situation, they can struggle to pray themselves. And having someone intercede for them is a tremendous gift. So I would like to close by praying this prayer over us. Feel free to bow your heads in prayer and just to acknowledge and say amen to every one of these prayers that witness with a need that you have. Our Father in heaven, Father God, we are approaching you as our compassionate, all-powerful Father, remembering that your kingdom is a heavenly one. Hallowed be your name. You are a holy God, and we revere and honor you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. Oh Lord, thank you that this is not some prayer of resignation where we resign ourselves to whatever will happen. No, we are praying with an understanding of your kingdom, a kingdom where people are saved and healed and delivered. May your kingdom come, Lord. Save those who are lost in their sins. May your kingdom come, Lord. Heal those who are sick. May your kingdom come, Lord. Set those who are captive to the enemy free. May your kingdom come, Lord. Bring breakthrough and hope into situations that seem hopeless. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord Jesus, we trust you for divine kingdom provision from your hand. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against you. Free us, Lord, from guilt and cleanse us from our sin by your precious blood. And Lord, free us from bitterness as we release those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Protect us, Lord. When the enemy comes in like a flood, we ask you to raise up a standard against him. Thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. All those who rise up against us shall fall. For this is our heritage as servants of the Lord, and our righteousness comes from you. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Now, family and friends, the Bible talks about how we are Christ's ambassadors. He is the king, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. It's an unshakable kingdom. And we are invited to partake in this kingdom and to be his ambassadors in the world. In Matthew 6, we are reminded to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. There's a lovely little scripture in Romans that talks about the armor of light. I think we are all aware of the armor of God that is found in Ephesians 6. And there's all these different components of armor that the Lord has given us to stand in this dark world. But in Romans, it speaks about the armor of light. And this armor, for me, gives such a beautiful picture of us filled with his light as a protective armor, but carrying that light with us wherever we go, into our families, into our homes, 
into our workplaces, and into our communities. I pray that you have been encouraged through God's word. I pray that the Lord will bless you and will keep you. I pray that he will be gracious to you and that he will lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace.